0: This is the Timepieces History Podcast, where each bite-sized show shares the story of a place, person or object from the past. Here's your host, Gudrun Lorette. Hello and welcome to the Timepieces History Podcast and the penultimate episode in Season 2. Penultimate's a great word, isn't it? It sounds very dramatic, which today's episode isn't particularly. Today we're looking at Summerhill in Bladen, which is where I grew up. It's a bit out of the way, but if you're visiting the northeast, it's worth crossing the river and having a walk. Before we get started, just a quick reminder that transcript and show notes are available on my website, and you don't need to leave an email address. Let me know what you think of this season, or tweet me at Gudrun Lorette. We moved to Summerhill when I was six, and it was very different from what I'd been used to when I lived in York. There were three houses right at the bottom of the hill, and all the rest were our side of the road. Although we were only a few minutes from Blayton Town Centre, there was open grassland opposite the house and fields full of horses just up the hill, so there was a real sense of isolation. Summerhill, to me, means the name of the steep hill we lived on, but in fact it's the mound at the top where we played as children. That was originally known as Summerhouse Hill, and the hump opposite was Image Hill. These two hills were once part of the Stella Hall estate. There was most likely a settlement on Summerhill thousands of years ago, built there because of its location. In 1930, some boys playing at the top of the street found a stone cyst or coffin. A reconstruction of the cyst is at the Great North Museum, formerly the Hancock Museum. The Bronze Age couple within were found with a knife and a beaker and are thought to have died between 1000 and 2000 BC. The theory is that they were married and in all likelihood the woman was sacrificed when her husband died. After the Bronze Age, a Norman Manor house and a nunnery were built on the hill and in the Tudor times, the Tempest family, successful merchants and colliery owners, built Stella Hall. The village of Stella, just down the road, was the headquarters of the English army at the time of the Battle of Fort in 1640. Oliver Cromwell, from episode 10 of season 1, stayed at the Hall in 1651. Stella Hall came into the possession of the Woodrington family through marriage in 1700. At this time, the red octagonal folly, which still stands today, was installed as a summer house on the hill, hence the name. the Hill opposite was the home of two statues, one of Apollo, the Greek goddess of the sun, and one of the playwrights, Slepius. Stella Hall then became the property of brick-and-mine magnate Joseph Cowan, who was also an MP. His son, also Joseph, followed in his father's footsteps, and between them they raised the family from their working-class origins to important and powerful business owners. The hall was modified twice, first by the architect James Payne, and again by John Dobson, who we'll meet in a later season. It remained in the family until the death of Jane Cowan, daughter of Joseph Jr., and was sadly demolished in the 1950s. Joseph Count Senior's family were originally from Lindisfarne before moving to Winlayton, which is a couple of miles away from Bladen. Joseph himself was born just up the road in Greenside in 1800, and served as an apprentice chainmaker at Crowley's Iron Factory, where his father also worked. As a young man, he became interested in the welfare of his fellow workers, concerned about equality and workers' rights. He was no doubt inspired by his employer, Ambrose Crowley, who established a fund for employees who could no longer work, provided free schooling for local children, and paid for, the do- paid for a doctor for staff and families. He was a member of Crowley's crew, a group of workers who fought for their rights. He attended Reformation meetings in Newcastle, and became First Secretary and then President of the Blacksmiths Friendly Society. He was made Mayor of Newcastle in 1853, and later represented the city in Parliament, becoming a Liberal MP in 1865. Cowell and his brother-in-law went into business in 1828, where they manufactured fire bricks. I remember finding these bricks around a burn, or stream, near where they were made when I was a child, with the Cowan stamp still clear to see. Joseph Cowan Jr. was educated at Edinburgh University, where one of his teachers was Scottish preacher Dr John Ritchie. A radical himself, Ritchie no doubt encouraged Cowan Jr.'s interest in the revolutionary political movement sweeping through Europe in the middle of the 19th century. Joseph Jr. played an active part in the family business and, like his family before him, spoke at workers' meetings and became an MP later in life winning his father's seat in 1874. He was short and stocky and, once he sat in Parliament, he was known as the Blade and Brick. Throughout his life, Joseph Jr worked tirelessly for the causes that he was passionate about, even when it put him in opposition to his own party. In 1859, he bought the Newcastle Chronicle, which he used to further publicise those causes, including encouraging the opening of a College of Science in Newcastle. He also co-founded the Tyne Theatre and Opera House, which opened in 1867. Both this and the newspaper are still flourishing today. Of course, while there's a lot of interesting history around the summer hill, once you've seen the summer house itself, there's not much else to look at. So, I suggest you walk a few minutes further along the road and visit the Pathhead Watermill. When we were children, the entire place was overgrown and the falling down buildings were dangerous. Not that that stopped us going in. Since we moved away in 1997, though, it's all been renovated and the watermill is now fully operational. It was a corn mill from 1713 until 1828, and was first owned by the Townley family before the Cowans bought it. Today, there is a charming little walk through the fields, a picnic spot and a cafe refreshment stand. They have events throughout the year, including craft fairs, folk festivals and vintage tractor rallies, and you can do a tour and see all of the lovingly restored machinery. That's it for today. Thank you for listening, and tune in on Thursday for the final episode of Season 2. Thank you for listening to the Time Pieces History Podcast. Don't forget to listen next time for more quick history facts.